No subscriptions, no network, no rules. And at the end, yeah, yeah, again, I'm doing it. And at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Coming at you with the fifth installment of what we've been calling the uh, All of America Coronavirus Crisis Special Report, or shorthand of the Corona Cast, which I like, but it's almost too whimsical. So I, I can't, I wouldn't feel right, outright calling this the Corona Cast. But we can, we can kind of. You know, secretly call it that. So, with me as always is my uh, my my Doctor Burks, the, the Doctor Burks to my Doctor Fauci. I don't know. I got nothing this week. I didn't plan that one out very well. <laughs> uh, Doctor Tyler Cochon, how are you, sir? Welcome back. Uh, tough week. Another tough week here uh, in these United States and the world. Yeah, yeah. It's been. Um... Uh, it, it's got to be really hard in places like New York where the, the death toll is mounting and things are not good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not great, that's for sure. Uh, what as I as I mentioned last week, uh, I was actually really happy with last week's show because we kept it kind of light. So we'll try and you know not necessarily dwell on. Um, you know what's going on, but of course the, the, the whole point of this show is to talk about what's going on. So, uh, and as I said last week, I'm not going to sugarcoat the numbers for you, folks. It's hard to I, I, I look at three different trackers. I think the Johns Hopkins ones is, is the most like conservative, so they generally run a little bit behind some of the other ones that go that go uh, that maybe uh, go a little ahead of the curve or a little faster, if you will. So. I generally go with Worldometer, which <laughs> Worldometers.info, which a lot of people use, um, and they cite sources and everything. So they're not like they're not as uh, as ragtag as the name suggests, but they're certainly like not official as uh, Johns Hopkins. But um, be that as it may, so according to Worldometer, uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like I said last week, folks, the the numbers are pretty bad here in the United States. Uh, we are at 502,000 cases, so we've crossed the we've crossed the half million mark here in the United States. And uh, Johns Hopkins has us at 496,000, so uh, it's pretty much pretty much across the board, uh, half a million at this point, um, which is really shocking if you look back because we this is our fifth episode. We started on on Friday the 13th. 
uh, in March, so less than a month. There were a thousand cases on the first episode of this show, and Jeez. now there are half a million cases. Yeah, which is yeah. stunning. This, yeah, this is how they can grow. So. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, just to just to hit the other numbers here. Well, this is this is. I mean, we we said going into this week this was going to be the, the start of the rough patch. You know, not like this all hasn't been rough, but uh, according to Worldometer, the they crossed two thousand deaths today. So there were two thousand deaths alone, just just today alone. Uh, the total deaths right now in America are eighteen thousand seven hundred and twenty. So, um, you know, it's terrifying to watch the the daily count. I think that's partially what is both captivating and 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 like really frightening about this whole thing. Um, it's not like a lot of these other disasters where it's kind of like a thing. You know, um, a tornado came through and did all this damage and. Um, it's like this ongoing, unfolding, ever-changing crisis with like a meter attached, a number counter attached to it. So you're always constantly watching the counter uh, to get a read on where everything is, and it gets increasingly grim. And so this week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were kind of looking at, you know, it was under a 1,000 deaths a day. Then it started to become hundreds of deaths a day. And, and uh, as of about two or three days ago, I want to say, uh, it started to become, well, actually, yeah, it crossed the 1,000 mark uh, about with last week's show. So, uh, And then since then, it's gone about, you know, 1,000, 1,000, 1,000, up to 1,900 for the last three days, and today, uh, 2,000. So, I mean, people are literally dying in the thousands right now. It's absolutely horrifying uh and, and well i guess i'll kick it over to here here to you in a sense because of what i was saying before we got on the air where it's very unnerving in a way because it feels like people uh, i likened it to a frog boiling in the water there that old analogy where it's like people are just getting they're not necessarily used to this but they're being conditioned or something to to that this is how it is I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about all these people dying, but it's it's just it's very I don't know chilling in a sense. You know, uh, the other thing that we we mentioned last week was uh, we thought maybe the most, uh, or I was saying maybe the most accurate depiction of what was really unfolding would be the death count. And something that right. surprised me is that. A lot of people are dying outside of hospitals, which wasn't really unexpected, but they're not even being figured into the COVID-19 death count. Uh, I mean, a lot of them are undeclared. They're just dead and they're taken away. Yeah. Uh, so our, the numbers that we have, once again, are an underestimate of what's really going on, which doesn't make us feel any better, but it does tell you that the scope and scale of uh, what is a stunning epidemic now and will continue to grow. Yeah, absolutely. I, I read that too in uh, in one of the things that it was, uh, they said that something like 200 to 250 people are dying in their homes in New York city, like every day. So yes. they're not, they're not being counted into the thing. So, yes. Uh, 
which is yeah, they're pretty. You know, they're pretty sure pretty most of them. Well, you know, there's there's always going to be people who, uh, for one reason or another, are, are at the the end of their lifespan. Uh, but they're pretty sure that much of this is due to the uh, coronavirus because that has spiked up something like eight tenfold above kind of the norm or last year's level. And the population right, right. hasn't changed that much. So this is actually how uh, they can reckon when influenza epidemics are bad is that the death rate, the normal expected actuarial predicted death rate, leaps up all of a sudden. It's because influenza is circulating. Uh, and until coronavirus came around, I think it was influenza uh, was the only infectious disease that could spike the death rate uh, above the point where you could really notice it. So this, right. this is this guy's potent. It's it's a dangerous sucker. You know, that's what we're we're dealing with here. Um, and for worldwide numbers, for people who are listening at some point, hopefully in the future, looking back on all this, uh, we're keeping score at home. Uh, they're at. The number I hear for, have here from Worldometer is uh, essentially 1,697,000. Uh, no, I'm sorry, 1,697,000. I think I said that. I'm not sure now. I was got confused by something else. Uh, 1,697,000 cases worldwide and 100,000 deaths worldwide. So this is uh, a bona fide, in case anybody was like, oh, this is just going to go away or whatever. No, it's. This is a bona fide pandemic, man. This is a real. This is this is as yeah. real as real can be. Um, now I have seen, and Jim Fuyevich brings this up in the chat. Maybe you can talk, speak to this because I have seen, and uh, you know, it doesn't make you a conspiracy theorist necessarily to have questions about the death count. Uh, he noted that there are reports saying that basically anyone who dies is being put into is being attributed to COVID-19. Um, I've heard that as well, but I couldn't tell you if that's true or not, or, you know what I mean? It's, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't have, I don't have access to that kind of information. So it very well may be true. It could be urban legend or rumor that got posted around. Um, I can't recall where I originally heard it. Now I've kind of just heard it bandied about. So, and that's no, I mean, I'm in the same boat as Jim, unless Jim can drop me a, a Wall Street Journal article in the in the chat. I think it's just something that he's kind of heard. It's kind of going around. Um, it sounds believable in a way, but, I mean, I imagine that somebody who dies in a car crash isn't being counted as a COVID case, but maybe it's the idea where, like, anybody who dies in the hospital right now is being counted. I don't know. Have you heard of this? Um this is well, this scuttlebutt. The uh, the thing that I've heard is that uh, a lot of people dying in their homes uh, are are suspected to be COVID deaths and are not being uh, put into the tally. That could reflect um, something like when we do the election and we don't get the final certified count until weeks later. That the yeah. county coroner, I think, or the coroner, I don't know how they divide it up in New York if it's by county or city. Uh, we'll have to make a, a determination as to what the, the projected or, or suspected cause of death was, I think, at some point. Uh, and for no other reason than that uh, these people will want and need death certificates to present to insurance companies and to Social Security. Uh, all these sorts of things have to be taken care of. So I have a feeling yeah. that the accurate count will come 
But at the moment, we're going to just have to look at this as provisional. And, uh, and it's possible that in the estimates that they do lump them all together, you know, and say, okay, well, we, we think that there's a thousand outside of the hospital and a thousand in the hospital. I don't think it's that grim uh, in terms of the percentage wise, but um, we're not going to have really good numbers until after the fact. So my, uh, my suspicion is that at some point the coroner's office, like the, the uh, medical system is in fact overwhelmed and they just can't keep up and they'll, they'll have to catch up as best they can. And, and maybe they've already figured out how to do that. Uh, but you can imagine that you've got six or eight people probably that's all you need in normal circumstances. And now you need 60 to, to run here or run there, check this out, you know, fill out the forms. Uh, a lot of paperwork with death. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Chris Pena says they mentioned it. Uh, they covered it on the news conference yesterday. I've stopped watching the news conference. Uh, oh. For my own help. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh, but I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you know, I'm sorry, Chris, folks. You know how I feel about the president, and uh, I refuse to watch. Uh, I refuse. It's, they're, they're too long, and they're too full of misinformation, and they're too um, performative. For my, you know, if they were informative and not performative. Uh, I'd watch them, um, but unfortunately that's not the case. And so uh, any information I get after the fact from them is helpful, but I can't waste two hours of my time sitting around waiting for the, the two minutes that Dr. Burks gets to go up and talk or Dr. Fauci gets to talk. So, <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, Chris had a good point about uh, people who are incarcerated, and I think we also uh, had concerns about uh, the uh, immigration and customs, ICE people that have people locked up, and some of those issues have started to sort of squirt out into the public. Uh, so I think that he was absolutely right, that we have places uh, where the disease is really going to be a problem, uh, and one of which has come to the fore recently is in um, chronic care facilities, nursing homes, because those people are so yeah. exceptionally vulnerable. Um, it, you know, I mean, we're, we're definitely going to have these issues crop up constantly. And it's going to be putting out a lot of little fires here and there, and hopefully we can manage. Right, right. I think, and I think this is where I part ways maybe with some of my paranormal brethren and conspiracy brethren. But uh, I don't, I think when people raise issues about the number of, the number, the death count, they attribute it to some kind of nefarious reason. And I don't believe that's the case. I don't think anyone's cooking, cooking the books to make it look worse than it is. I'm sorry, I don't. Um, maybe that makes some people feel reassured to believe that, but uh, I, I think if there's issues in the reporting or in the in the recording of of what's going down, I think it's purely out of the system being taxed um, and and you know general prosaic reasons such as that. Uh, they're just not equipped for this kind of for this kind of situation. So, like you said, what you normally would take six to eight people, they really need like sixty, and they don't have sixty. So we, we're not the numbers are only a, a guesstimate at this point. And I think that they're yeah. uh, I think they they come from a place of 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 good. I mean, I think that no, I don't think, like I said, I don't think anyone's cooking the books to make this look worse um, than it is. Well, you know, there, maybe one day we'll find out that something's going on. And, and we do. We do ask people to be skeptical, 
to think about this yeah. stuff. Okay, what's the source? Where did it come from? Just like you're using three sources of numbers for the total COVID take. Uh, we we want to look at it, but I think you hit it right on the head. These are provisional. This is a work in progress. Stuff is coming really quickly now. Uh, you know, we're depending on people to uh, bring it forward, but we can't take anything as etched in stone. And we always, always are alert for maybe something going wrong. Let's just put it that way. And it could be in either direction. There may be people who want a lower number. There may be people that want a higher number. You know, we'll just have to wait and see how that shakes out. Right. And in a sense, exactly. And and by that, too, it's like this is a global phenomenon, not to mention a national phenomenon. Uh, I'm not going to, like, throw Wyoming under the bus or whatever, but it's like in some places, some places they may want to make it look think like things aren't as dreary as they are, and in other places they, you know, they may be overcounting or something. So we just don't, we just it's don't fine. know. That's the point. Yeah. You know, we just don't yeah. know, and we and we have to just keep a, you know, an open mind on on the information we're getting. So always, always, we don't accept anything as uh, absolute gospel. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is that different areas are in fact having a different experience right now in terms of total disease burden. We think that eventually this will catch up with us if Dr. Osterholm of uh, the um, program called CIDRAP, C-I-D-R-A-P, the um, Center for Infectious Disease Research, uh, if he's correct, uh, it's going to get everywhere, and and everybody's going to contend with it at some level unless you're really, 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 really lucky. So sooner or later, but we also have to accept the fact that just like the weather, it's not uniform across the nation. And so there are going to exactly. be different pockets of problems. Right. Exactly. Um, now, I promised sort of last week, and I thought we did a good job of that, barely, but but I promised last week. We kind of can move a little bit away from from sort of the direness of what's going on. I'm sure we'll circle back to it around toward the end of the program, as we usually do. But <clears throat> the, the sort of – the the silver lining, the light, the, the possible glimpse of of the light at the end of the tunnel, which we've all been praying for here, um, seems to start seems to be starting to emerge in New York, which of course has been crushed. Um, as of now, they have 172,000 cases, which is more than any other country but the United States. Um, they're they're like a country unto their own. That's how bad it is. 10,000, uh, no, uh, 7,800 deaths, but. According to the according to Andrew Cuomo's uh, press conferences, which which I do watch, um, it sounds like they're it sounds like they can they can kind of see maybe a flattening of the curve, right? Yes, yes, it does. It's very encouraging. So these are, are good news that you know what we're doing is working. People have to stick with it. You know that it's not over. It's not going to be over in two weeks. I, I wish it was, but the real, um, the good part is that maybe we can get to a point fairly soon where the medical system is not overwhelmed, and that's something right. that we really have to worry about is that we exhaust or worse, get the uh, medical personnel sick and, uh, and have them basically collapse. We can't have that, but if we can just get to the point where that curve is flat enough that the system can sort of handle it, 
uh, we're going to be much better off. But I, I also will tell you, as, as encouraging as it is, this is going to be a long battle. And if we're really lucky, it'll die down in the summer a little bit, but I think it's going to come right back, Tim. Uh, I, I think this is the herald wave, and so we're just going to have to get used to watching, surveilling, and being ready to take action, knowing what can happen. But yeah. the good news is that we don't have many weapons against this. We really, we really don't have anything to speak of except our behaviors, and so social distancing and being careful and, and all the things that we've done. And you can see that it, the evidence is strong. Those work. So that, that is one really, really good thing that we have here. Right, exactly. Um, that was the most promising thing to come out of uh, the week, was that it looks like they can kind of see a flattening of the curve in New York. With that comes a worrisome caveat that there's already now, again, there's already talk of of starting the country back up again. So I yeah. feel like there's going to yeah. be this. I feel like there's going to be this this tension for a while uh, between those two camps. Um, you can see it's kind of simmering, uh, almost not even under the surface very much. With it's just an intense yeah. amount of pressure to for to go back to normal, when that's really not we really we really can't do that right now. I mean, I wouldn't even start talking about what we're going to do till like. April 25th, like five days before before this imaginary deadline at the end of the month. Talking about it now on April 10th, to me, is, is kind of crazy. Well, it, I think you're right uh, that you sense the way the wind is blowing. And uh, we both, I think, agree that at some point we will have to get back to work. We can't stay in our homes, or at least most of us can't stay in our homes forever. Uh one of the things that I thought was uh, interesting is that we're, the president is putting together another task force to examine yeah. how that will be accomplished, which is a good thing. You know, you've got to get ready. You can't just on you know, the 29th say, okay, tomorrow it's over. Uh, right, we'll, exactly. we'll have to, to start to plan out. The thing that is actually the same thing as the, the epidemic is not quite in the same stage everywhere. Uh, there won't be a national startup. I, I honestly think they'll have to do it region by region, maybe county or city by city, as as conditions warrant. And that's what the commission is going to have to decide. Is what are the metrics? What are the numbers? People were trying to get that today that will say, okay, uh, it's safe enough that we can let go a little bit. Uh, you know, and, and, and they're going to have to have this uh, informed with modeling as best they can. This is a very difficult problem, and uh, it, it's a, going to be a real challenge. But the, the first thing I'd say is don't expect a national, okay, everybody's done. Uh, first of all, that's not how the system is set up. It's, it's done state by state, sometimes county and city by city. And so those, those entities will have to make their own decisions. We may see a lot of different opinions, as we already have with the states, a number of different opinions about how we should handle this now, and I think that's going to continue. So I do believe that you're right. This is going to get very contentious, and it's coming right away, right away, probably right after Easter. We'll hear another big you know, raft of complaints. Yeah, exactly. Well, ironically, uh, my good friend and uh, Twitter virus expert, Adam Go Rightly, just shared uh, with me here on Twitter, 
speaking of sort of exactly what we're talking about, I don't know if he's listening right now or if it's just serendipity, but uh, this just came across the wire right literally 10 minutes after we started the show. Los Angeles County is extending its stay-at-home order until at least May 15th, and officials say there's a possibility of extending it into the summer. So I think that's where I think you're going to see a lot of the tension going forward where there may be a lot of pressure from the federal government for everybody to open it up, open up America, they keep saying, which is just so ridiculous. But, um, you know, that to, to get back to normal, to start everything up again. But there, there, the, that, you know, that desire, as you said, uh, runs up against the, the local governments, state governments, and, and, and even municipalities within the states. So just yeah. because the federal government wants everybody to op- open up the country, even if they say, like you were saying on April 29th, oh, tomorrow we're going to do it, well, here you have Los Angeles saying that their stay-at-home order goes to May 15th. So much like there was all this confusion over over when to shut down, now we're kind of paying the price for that on the back end of it because there's a lot of confusion uh there's no timetable really necessarily for when to start up again either. No, there's no clear timetable. We have a lot of different situations. Uh, what what I worry about is uh, where I am, we're, we're in one really giant county. But if you think about uh, the California area, just, just hypothetically, I'm not saying this has been talked about or, or will happen or has happened, but right. maybe L.A. County will make one decision, but Orange County will say, nope, we're open. <laughs> wow, that's going to be very interesting. That, that, you know, if you have a budding adjoining municipalities who have made a different decision, in one sense you can think of this pretty clearly. We're not all safe until this disease is all controlled everywhere. And so, right. whether um, you know it could come in locally, but it could also, if you start to invite people in to, uh, to you know tourism, it could come in again through that, and, and we could end up being right back in the same spot so easily. So we really we really need to be careful. I wonder, honestly, if L.A. County people just decided to get ahead of it and say, yeah, we're not going to wait for April 30. Here's what we're going to do. And just, you know, yeah. sort of squelch it right there. Well, it's, such a, it's just such a complex situation in a lot of ways because everybody that, has their the own. That's the way to look at it. Everybody yeah, you have to. Their own ex- yeah, their own experience, their own situation. Uh, that's exactly how you have to look at it. One size does not fit all here. You're really going to have to look at local conditions and make your own decisions, and hopefully they'll be wise ones. Yeah, and and, and I think people need to be cognizant of, of, like, what other people are going through, you know, because, like, to me, I I practically live this li- this lifestyle of, of shelter-in-place 24-7 anyway. So, to me, this has been a very – seamless transition um but for the, for a lot of other people this is an incredibly difficult time and, and they've lost their jobs and they want i can see why some they might think i'm an idiot they might be like dude i don't have a job blah 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 i cannot you know yes i i, I emphasize yes. with their situation they may look at me and be like you're 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 a clown dude uh, just because you're doing okay so it's like i can see why there are a lot of people who you know who would really, who really want this to be resolved? Who need this to be resolved? Yes. So I, exactly. I guess like that's my advice to other people too. Like, 
apply just because no matter where you are, you got to realize that everybody's in a different point because of this. And there may be a way where we can't be fully open, but we can we can do something so that some people can get somewhat back to normal. Uh, but it may not be that we can just throw open the movie theaters and have baseball games, you know, the way we'd like to. Uh, that may take a bit longer. We, right. we just have to. We're going to invent a lot of new things here. Uh, and, and one thing I think is clear is that um, people that are working for a living can't expect uh, a miracle to occur and, and money to be handed to them. They're still going to have to work for a living. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, people want to work, too. It's not – no one – No one. I think a vast majority of people are not too thrilled about being stuck at home and not working. Um yeah. A, they don't have any money, and B, it, it just – I mean, I was unemployed for a while. I know how depressing it can be, so it, it can be a real drag, man. Um, yes, and, 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 and sitting and, at home in the same yeah. place. Same, yeah, no fun. So we we hold out hope. Um, we'll see what happens. I think it's it, – because the crazy part is, is for me – and, I mean, I guess this is like for everybody, but it's like – it's just impossible to even think beyond, like, the next few days. So to me, when you're like, well, maybe everything will be back to normal in mid-May, it's like I won't feel comfortable even speculating about what mid-May should look like until closer to the end of April, as I said. It's yeah. it's that that touch and go. And it, that's exhausting. Yeah. Somebody made a point on Twitter. It was like, this is like living through World War II and not knowing how it ends not having the reassurance that everything's going to be okay. So we're just sitting riding this out, like, waiting to see how this is going to resolve. And God damn, is it stressful, man. It is stressful. Yeah, yeah and that's – I think you've already hit on another thing, is that at some point people do kind of become numb. That after a while you go, okay, today it's 2,000, tomorrow 3,000. Yeah, fine. This is how it is. Uh, and we can't – we can't afford to just sort of become complacent. We're going to have to do a lot of high-quality thinking about how yeah. we dig out of this hole. And it's going to take a, a, a great deal of what I would call wisdom, which means a lot of people arguing from different points of view. So uh, folks that don't have a job, their voice is going to have to be heard so that we can come up with a mm-hmm. way that, you know, we, we have uh, sort of an equitable uh, sharing of the burden and, I, you know, as best we can. I, I just, if I had an easy answer, I'd send it to the White House right now. I, I don't think anybody does. No, nah, it's very, uh, it's very touch and go. Now to pivot to, let's change the mood to something lighter here a little bit. Um, so we'll do like a life, a life story situation. So now my stove top broke. Uh, like about. I don't even know, but, but a couple months ago, and we had to order it, and I think probably because of because of COVID nineteen, the it was super delayed. They couldn't get us the stovetop till it finally arrived today. So I think it was back ordered by like six weeks. Long story short, uh, and I should give our disclaimer here: do not take any medical advice from us, folks. We're just <laughs> two guys talking about the situation. That said, as friend to friend. How should how do you think I should have this guy come and install my stovetop? 
Is he a um, private contractor? Not not with like a Home Depot or some. No, no, nothing whatnot. like that. Yeah, I would I would just go ahead and and if you can maintain social distancing, I'll, I'll tell you honestly, I did the same thing uh, a couple of weeks ago. I had some people I contracted with to do uh, seating repair, and uh, and they were you know very good. They um, sort of we stayed away from each other and they got the job done and uh, somehow we managed. So in effect, it's not that much different than um, passing people in the store at the Safeway. Uh, yeah. you know, but you have to you have to be mindful. You know, you can't shake hands. You can't do the normal sorts of social interactions that you would. Uh, but I, I think it can be done, and, and there's uh, businesses that are still open uh, is, as long as you feel comfortable. Uh, and then you can you can of course sanitize everything when you're done. Uh, yeah. Nobody should feel bad about that. Uh, I think you know this is just the reality. And then, you know, ask, you sort of ask people, like, you're not feeling unwell or anything. <laughs> you know, I mean, we can't. I assume that most people wouldn't come and do the job if they were feeling like they were sick. You'd hope so, but with times being yeah. the way they are, it's also, you wonder. Yeah, I may, I don't want to be, I guess, it's, I don't want to come off as a dick, but I may actually just, like, wear gloves and a mask when the dude shows up just to, hey, better safe than sorry. I don't care. You know, you know he's, what you he's might, coming into my bubble here. Exactly. What what you might find is that he's already equipped that way. I hope so. Anyway, because if you're going yeah. to people's homes, you know, one of the, the fastest ways to to get yourself uninvited is to is to not take this seriously. So, uh, I would imagine that people coming in are going to be uh, on the safe side more than more than not. Yeah. So anyway, you know, we have the advantage here. I can keep the doors open, and and the weather is very cooperative. A little bit different back east, uh, but I think it can be done, Tim. I think as long as you are careful, you know, you, uh, I would put a mask on and not worry about it. Yeah. I would I would just go ahead and do it, and uh, if you have an extra one, give one to him. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. It makes sense. But I'll just I'll uh, bet you we'll have to you'll have to tell me how it went uh, if you decide to yeah. go ahead. I'll bet. I'll you update everybody. Um, this person shows up ready to roll with all the proper safety gear as best you can. You know, he doesn't want to get sick either. Exactly, that would be my thinking. But that, yeah, but you wonder too with people. I suppose it's his job, so he would take it seriously. But you see people that are out and about and don't wear masks or anything still. And it's just sure. like, oh, come on, dude. Just, you know, everybody's doing it. Wear, <laughs> wear a mask. Yeah. I um, Some of that I, I've kind of discovered by accident uh, may not be that they don't want to. It's that they don't have anything available. And so my wife yeah. is a, a quilter and a, a sewer. And so she was able to make some masks, and I've, I've taken them to school for uh, uh, some of the, the people that work there uh, because they didn't have access, and they were really happy to have them. So I, I, I imagine this guy's got a dust mask or something, uh, you know, that would work pretty well. But yeah. I, I think, you know, honestly, Tim, that, that these people depend on referrals. And so if you're, you know, somebody said, hey, how'd that go? And you go, oh, man, I never let this guy in my house again because he blah, blah, blah. 
They don't want that. Right, right. They want, they want happy yeah. customers. Exactly. Um, and I don't want people to think we're not taking it seriously, but these are the kind of things that come up nowadays. This is the, as they say, this is the new normal. It's, it's okay, i got to get my stovetop replaced. What the hell do I do now? Yeah, you don't exactly. really think about that when the pandemic and, starts. And I would say when you, when you are contending with these issues, there should be no embarrassment about how do I protect myself. And so I think you've made a great decision. I'll just put on my mask and gloves. And, uh, and invite him to, to do the same. Uh, I think that's a wise yeah. way to approach it. Because you can't take it back. You make a mistake here. You know, there's no back switch. You know, there's, there's no undo button. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the crazy part. I have no update on the gas station. I have not been back to the gas station. Um, I may go back this weekend, but I'm in pretty good shape uh, <laughs> rations-wise. <laughs> <laughs> so I have no need to go back to the gas station. But if this is again, like you said, there's no you can't, there's no take backs. It's like the only the only reason I would go to the gas station right now would be to find out how lax their safety measures are and to report back to the show. So I would I would hate to I would hate to uh, suit up and. And, and venture into the gas station somehow wind up getting this all because, all to find out all to find out how poorly their safety measures are. But at some well, point I'll, could, I'll I'll have an update. Yeah, I mean at some point you're going to run out of supplies, right? Yeah, you're going to you're yeah. going to eat eat your last moon pie, and you're going to have to, you know. Uh, but anyway, uh, what I can tell you here is uh, looking at some of the stores, I have been surprised to see that uh, the bulk of the employees, for example, don't have any protective equipment or limited. And I was very yeah. surprised after the, the thing about wearing masks came out because I know they're getting directives from the Centers for Disease Control because they, they plotted out on the floor the six-foot distance that the carts should be at the grocery store, for example. Uh, so, yeah. that, you know, they're getting updates and they're, and they're paying attention. Uh, maybe it's, again, maybe it's just simply that they can't get them. For their employees, you know, they're working 24 hours a day, just trying to stock the damn place. So yeah. it could be that simple that that they would love to, but they can't comply. But you can, you know, you can take your own measures. This is what, uh, you know, there, there's there's a randomness to it. There's sort of like a dangerous dangerousness to it that you can't control these things. It could come and get you. You're not thinking. You touch the wrong thing. But you can vastly improve your odds through your own efforts, you know. Yeah. So we can't guarantee the result, but we can definitely. I mean, there's something that's in your power to do, and and in a world that seems to be going crazy, at least there's something still in your in our power. Exactly, and that's that's the way you have to think about it. Um, you're you're everybody's responsible for themselves. They're also responsible for sort of the people that they're, you know, their loved ones and everything and, and the people they live with and the people they interact with on a daily basis. So it's, but you're also responsible for yourself. So, uh, if you go, if you, if you put the work in and it's not putting on gloves and a mask isn't work. It's just, it's, uh, it can, it can certainly be uncomfortable at times, but it's, uh, at least gives you the peace of mind that you you've done it kind of cover your ass in a in a psychological sense. 
where it's like, I yeah, did everything. Yeah. I did what I was supposed to do. If I end up getting exactly. this and I, if I've done everything I was supposed to do, I, I don't know. I'll feel better about it. <laughs> well, you'll, I can't. you'll have one less yeah. thing to beat yourself up over if you're lying in bed sick, and hopefully you'll come out of that. But you won't have the regret of, oh, man, if I had just put on a mask, what was wrong with me? Uh, you yeah. know, you won't have that. But the other thing you can keep in mind is that, yeah, you take care of yourself, and as much as we can, we, we try to help others. Uh, maybe just the example of people wearing masks is important because then people see that and they go, well, yeah, that dude's doing it. I can, I can manage I think so. that. Maybe this is a good idea. So it does. you come away with a lot more respect for the men and women who have to be gowned up and wear those masks for very, very long shifts because, like you say, it's uncomfortable, and that's, that's what they're up against now. And to compare, I guess, a little bit with what's going on where you are, there's two interesting trends I've noticed here. One, one serious and one kind of like more, oh, oh damn you, human beings. You're so, you'll <laughs> never change. So the, the first one, the serious one, is that um, we're seeing it much like we were talking about the, how, uh, how medical people are getting sick. Um, we're seeing now a lot, not a lot, but a handful of people, in some cases a fair amount, are getting sick and a very small amount so far have died from uh, the coronavirus or COVID-19 uh, among the supermarket workers. Uh, and you're also seeing it with, like, Amazon up in New York. Uh, they had a big problem there. So the, it's getting into the supply chain now, uh, and, and they're rightfully concerned. Uh, the grocery workers, uh, obviously the medical people have been talking about it for a while. But like I said, the the service industry people who are still helping to make this whole thing run, uh, they're starting to get hit pretty bad up here. Where it's where it's really bad, so uh, it, 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 people in other parts of the country who are in these jobs, you, you, you know, you better be sa- it's better to be safe now than deal with it later. Um, yes. So that's yes, that's the serious thing I've noticed. It's very worrisome because I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but it was in the news. Like one of the people, a staff worker at the at my local grocery store where I would get my groceries if uh if I hadn't stockpiled and everything what was tested positive so it make it just gets in your head like that and then it's oh no well what if the supermarket isn't safe to go to anymore now what am I going to do you know well just just bear in mind that the supermarket is just one fraction of kind of of your world and right if it's you know that it's out there and so every person that you pass on the street potentially could be the, the person who doesn't yet know that they're infected and is releasing the virus. This is the reality. And mm. what you have to do is um, your best at social distancing, the mask, whatever you can do to protect yourself, but recognize this isn't a drill. This is the reality that there, there is a certain element of a problem uh, if you listen to Dr. Ulsterholm's uh, podcast, he's he's pretty blunt that uh, we cannot really stop this virus. It's going to go ahead and, and do what it's going to do. 
We just have to, to slow the cadence in such a way that we can maximize the number of people that sort of make it through this event. And we seem to be succeeding with that. But, yeah, it's out there. It's out there. Yeah. Um, I haven't now. Chris Pinio in the chat says he's three friends of his. Uh, no, my friend in New York lost three close friends so far. So people in New York are getting – it's becoming so pervasive, I think, that everybody there knows somebody that, um, you know, has fallen victim to this. I think maybe in other parts of the country it's still hard to believe. And I imagine, I don't want to stereotype anybody or any places, but I'm sure there are places where they just say, that's a New York, that's that's a New York problem, you know, when it's yeah. not a New York problem. Why do you think, aside from just the general way that New York City is packed in so much. I mean, why do you think it's so bad there, though? That's a that's an interesting question, and I don't have a clear answer. But when they've gone back, um, remember, uh, was it Steve that sent us the thing about uh, mapping the coronavirus? Uh, when they've gone back and mapped the genome, it looks like a lot of the, the um, imported cases that started in, in New York actually came out of Europe, not so much Germany, Yeah, that's what I saw, Europe, too. Yeah. And, which is really very interesting. Uh, and so I would say that what, what's reflected here is basically transit of people across the world and happenstance that, you know, maybe we, they happened to contact somebody who had um, some connection to China while over in Europe and, then, and brought it over sort of secondarily. But New York is a massive uh, transportation center, uh, you know, it's a massive uh, industry uh, center, business center, uh, as is uh, the Bay Area of California, you know, Silicon Valley, those places that got yeah. hit really hard. Uh, so I would, would say that one reason is that they had sort of the right sequence or wrong sequence of events. Uh, this is what I often tell the students, is that things like food poisonings, common source food poisonings and these things require a sequence of events to unfold. And when it does, it's pretty remarkably bad. And this is what I think we've seen in New York, New Jersey, and uh, Massachusetts is that a lot of people in close proximity, but also a lot of interactions between a lot of commerce. These are business centers. And when we move people around, this is, boy, pathogens love that. They love that. And you can see the upside now. So I think, you know, you're correct. There probably are people that look at it and go, yeah, it's New York. It won't come here. I don't think that's a good stance. I think you're taking a big chance. And knowing yeah. what we know, understanding what this, this thing can do, uh, what I would urge is for people to sort of take the, um, the conservative stance of, hey, let's just do what Tim Benal says, which is get ahead of this thing before it's got us by the throat. Because we understand it's dangerous. We don't want to face that danger. And it's so much easier to stop this out when it's just a spark as opposed to the whole neighborhood in the conflagration. Yeah. Well, the other trend I was going to mention, uh, I'm going to mention now, is uh, this kind of made me laugh just because just I'm sort of like a Dennis the Menace type character. So I guess uh, this would be, this would be, I'm a scoundrel, as we've established. Um, the... The stores, the, the grocery stores, and I guess other stores too, they're very, they're not happy with people up here because they're all leaving 
their used equipment, their used gloves. I think they keep the masks, but mostly I think it's gloves. The glo- they're just leaving their gloves in the, in the, in the parking lot and shit. There's, there's a problem. Oh, a, isn't that lovely? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It, it reminds me of, like, disposable diapers. There's, there, there's, and, I, I mean, I'm looking now at, at the floor of my office where there's a pair of, dis, of disposed blue uh, gloves that I used probably, like, a week ago. Uh, so I can see I didn't dump them in the parking lot, but apparently this is a problem. So, good God! Uh, as I said, that's, that's humans being humans, right? They'll, that's they'll, interesting. They won't change. All the things that you never think of until you actually see it. Um, yeah, I mean. Oh yeah, you should see world. like the newscast videos where they like <laughs> they like scan over the parking lot and you just see like. It's like where's Waldo? You just pick out all the little pairs of gloves that people have just tossed on the in, on the pavement when they leave. It's like, ah, oh, Duke, come on, come on. I can way back way back in the day when I was uh, in school, I worked for Kmart, worked for them for about three years, and uh, it is amazing when you would come to the store very early in the morning. We had a, a parking lot cleanup device that would vacuum up all the detritus that was left behind, and it's it's amazing. But I, I hadn't thought that people would toss their gloves. I thought they would, you know, take them home. Well, I guess if you're going to get in the car and you think you're all contaminated, so yeah, what the hell? I'll leave it with the store. It's their problem. It's an yeah. interesting mindset. Boy, okay. <laughs> Well, okay. Yeah, well, only in America. What well, the hell? Say that, but yeah, it's funny in a way. It, it's I'm not a big fan of uh, the mandatory switch to paper bags that that's happened here in my town. It's happened in a lot of places, um, but it's really again, a, I'm a scoundrel. So it's given me some kind of quiet delight in a way because. <laughs> I hate I hate that they made everybody stop using disposable plastic bags here. And this is the crazy part, right? Now that all this is happening, one of the first things they've said is, we got to go back to the plastic disposable bags. That's the safest thing. Um, you can't be can't be bringing your bags from home in. They're banned. You can't bring your bag from home. So and and it's easier for us to give you all the groceries. Uh, in the disposable plastic bags. So they're going to be digging them out of storage or something. But uh, it's very interesting when how priorities change and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did notice that a couple of weeks ago they told us uh, no more uh, empty bags from home. And right, that yeah, was, that's the rule here too. Apparently that came – I don't know what the regulatory agency is that they follow, if it's CDC or whoever it was. But, uh, yeah, they put the signs up and they're, they're enforcing it, so – they're, they're serious. They're serious. Of course, the plastic company is probably happy. You know? See, somebody yeah, they're probably that. like, yeah. Oh, everybody, yeah. It's always somebody that, yeah. If you don't, to the people who, who are watching all this unfold and who are like, oh, the powers that be are used, everyone's, everyone's trying to, everyone's jockeying for position in this. It shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. So just uh, make sure your your stake of your claim is, is well uh, secure. Um, now, Vamp Elvis, an old friend of mine, he's in the chat. He mentions he saw a lady driving in her personal vehicle alone with her mask on. Made no sense to me. 
Now, I, we talked about this previously on the show. I'm a big believer. I don't take the mask off until my hands are clean after I get into the house because uh, they tell you not to touch your face. So if you take off your yeah. mask when you get in the car, there's a good chance you're going to touch your face by accident with your with either your contaminated gloves. I suppose if you if you throw your gloves in the parking lot, your your hands yeah. should be clean. But my personal preference, I just go. I I sent you the picture. I posted it on my Facebook page. My my uh, entering into the wild look with the mask, yeah. sunglasses, a flat Earth beanie to ensure <laughs> yeah. maximum I, I social distancing. <laughs> Very nice touch. <laughs> yeah. Anybody who looks at me, they're going to be like, what the fuck, that guy's, does that say flat earth? Okay, he, we definitely want to avoid that one. It's like it gives me an extra extra three feet of, of bubble that a Red Sox cap yeah. just wouldn't do. But, and then, you know, and I'm all, I, wear, I wear all that out, and then when I get home, I de-glove and de-mask. I don't care. I'm not going, I'm not driving on a cross-country trip. I can fucking drive from the store back to my house with my mask on. It's not that crazy. So. No, that that (sighs) could be exactly, exactly what, what she was thinking. Uh, What I do is I have a a little spray bottle of disinfectant in the car. And I I do my hands. And if I'm heading for home, I can take the mask off. But yeah, I can understand how it would be better just to keep it in place. If you remember the Ebola epidemics, and how those people yeah. had to be practically in moon suits. One of the things that they discovered is exactly what you're talking about, is that there's no telling where that virus, where those particles have landed, if it's blood, fluids from the patient. And so what they do is the first thing is they, they would spray disinfectant over everything, and then they would very carefully degown with a, another person helping them to be sure that they didn't incidentally contact their skin. I mean, Ebola is, uh, I think, uh, even more dangerous in terms of of direct contact than maybe this agent is. But still, uh, you have to respect the fact that you've been in an uncontained, uncontrolled environment. And, yes, your gloves and your mask, uh, you should consider that contaminated until you can take measures at home to, uh, to clean it back up. Yeah, exactly. That's what I do. Better safe than sorry. Well, I think that's, you know, that's, that's a wise policy, uh, and maybe it's just simpler. Uh, I know my wife has short hair, but not everybody does, and so maybe the person just doesn't want to mess up their hair, hair taking that stupid thing off, you know. Uh, I guess, you know. Yeah, everybody has their, has their way. I would say, though, the flat earth beanie is interesting. You'll, you'll be fine until it attracts someone. I thought of that. I thought of that. I thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck to you, sir. (laughs) Right. I thought of that because it repels like 90% of the population, but there's a... There's there's 3% of the population that it attracts, and those you don't want... Those definitely don't want those people approaching you. Although I will say, most of the flat earthers I know are very... uh, 
Most of the flat earthers I know are super. I think I don't know if we talked about this on the show. I talked to so many people, I forget what we talked about on the show. But but a lot of the flat earthers I know are very uh, skeptical, as one can imagine, of uh, of all this. So they're more in the conspiracy camp. So That's if anything, maybe yeah, maybe I'd be rebuffed That's... by a flat earther who'd be who'd say, "What are you doing? You." <laughs> <laughs> You're smart enough to believe the Earth is flat. You figured that out, but you don't know that this is fake? It's like, oh, Jesus, please, six feet, sir, six feet. <laughs> no, no, this is, you must interview them. We must get to the bottom of this. You're going you're gonna to discover something. So I'll let you know. I've worn the hat out other places, and no, one, no one's uh, mentioned it, but pre, pre um, you know, pre, what would you call that, pre, pre-pandemic, now, we got a caller on right now, but it's not the caller uh, we're waiting for. So, 469, area code, you're going to have to hold on tight because we're going to have a guest, our first ever guest, um, in a couple of minutes. So, uh, hang in there, 469. I, I think I have a feeling that 469 number may be Steve Ray, or it's, or it's Steve Ray's friend, a microbiologist. But either way, um, we got to hold you here until we bring on our guest. Um, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm trying to keep it trying to keep it calm, keep it loose, not worry about anything too much. Uh, it is, it's certainly troublesome because it's, you know, how they used to say, like, oh, we're 10, we're 10 days behind Italy. Like, well, New York's pretty much caught Italy now, and it seems like a lot of other places are, or sort of 10 days behind New York. That sort of was the way they framed it today at the Massachusetts press conference. Um, it's, a, it's an that, interesting way. You yeah. can think of it that way. Uh, if you take a look at what's uh, transpiring in California uh, and Washington State, uh, they seem to have maybe gotten a little bit ahead of this compared to um, New York. And if you remember, Washington, in one sense, was a little bit ahead. Uh, that they had the first outbreaks, uh, uh, kind of a canary in the coal mine kind of thing. They had it in a nursing home or assisted living facility, and those can yeah. be really bad. But um, Yeah, there's yeah, more and more of those could, popping up now around the country. It's frightening. You could think of it as uh, a, sort of a place in time where they're ahead, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, the, the other thing to keep in mind, though, is that no matter how much we, we look at these things and want to compare and try to, to quantify what's going on, we still don't have uh, an adequate picture of what is actually transpiring. First of all, we're always behind the fact with these epidemics. But in addition, the testing uh, is still not quite adequate to give us the full picture. Uh, What we're doing is we're in mitigation phase, as Dr. Fauci would put it, with uh, testing in service of diagnostic purposes. And we'll have to broaden that a little bit as we get into the point where we're going to want to maybe relax standards and get to a uh, a better understanding of how many people are out there infected, how many people have been uh, or are currently asymptomatic. We know we can find the virus, and we're, that's going to be a long haul too. Uh, it's not it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, it's the asymptomatic individuals, uh, you know, who, and it's not them. It's not their fault, obviously. It's the it's the asymptomatic nature of this is the is the monkey wrench, I guess. Is the is makes is what makes grappling with this so difficult? I think um, if it was simply the only if you if you if you would get symptoms definitely and you 
that's when you were symptomatic or that's when you were, uh, you know, people could pick it up from you, uh, then then that would be easier to tackle. But yep. there's all these other factors yep. involved that we no, haven't absolutely. really considered. Well, you know, that, that we haven't really had to contend with, I guess you could say. This is a, a terrible complication, and you can imagine that no amount of quarantine can save you if you've got asymptomatic patients running around in perfect health shedding the virus. Uh, with, right. with SARS, the 2002-2003 epidemic of SARS, we had a little bit of a break because the cases showed, or at least the, the, the pyramid of disease was very, very steep. And so the people showed they had um, signs and symptoms uh, when they were shedding, and it was a lot easier to, uh, to contain that, even though it wasn't particularly easy. I mean, I don't want to make light of that. But um, right. that's one of the things that when we talk about, oh, this virus will probably go away, looking at SARS as our model. Uh, and uh, Dr. Oster, Osterholm today was uh, pointing out that SARS didn't fade away in the, um, in the spring. What happened is it was exterminated. It was, uh, we found the reservoir animal and started to control those, but they also had pretty good luck with tracing the patients and contact tracing. And so they were able to contain it. And so it was sort of suffocated by the medical yeah. protocol. We're not going to have that luck with this guy. Uh, it may be uh, much, much tougher to get rid of. we got to spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the Internet. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? All right. Now, we, we have a special guest here. I didn't want to... I didn't want to announce him ahead of time in case something happened, but we uh, we have a special guest. I'm bringing him on the deck right now. Uh, there you go. Um, but all of America listeners know him well. Uh, he is the extreme explorer, Adam Davies, a dear, dear, dear friend of the program. Uh, I consider him. He's one of those guests who's been on a million times. He's like a brother to me. Um, you know, I think folks know that. There's sort of a the sort of a cadre of BOA regulars who who may who have made appearance after appearance after appearance, and that's just because you know I love them so much. They're such great folks and such interesting people. Um, and somebody actually had mentioned to me the other day how much they enjoyed hearing Adam on the show, and that led me, as I mentioned to Adam when I caught up with him, is it this is going to be like a soap opera, like Facebook, which I hate. It, it like filters all of the people people you know. So if I hadn't looked at a post of Adams in a while, it, somehow it like moves him to the back of the line. It's just like put everybody's shit on at once. I don't care Facebook. Just put. This is why I'm friends with them. Uh, so so I was saying to myself, well, I wonder what Adams been up to. So I'm like went went to his page and saw uh, that he has had an experience here with the coronavirus. Um, and I thought what made his post particularly interesting uh, was, was that he said uh, he's been, he had been messaged twice by people who, uh, who have been dealing with individuals who claim that COVID-19 is conspiracy theory, and that, that inspired him to make this post and, and uh, talk about his experience. So I thought to myself, I only know one person who's even been tested, and they, they, were, they had no symptoms. They were fine. Um, so I don't even know anyone who's really been touched by this, but Adam, as he says here, he was diagnosed as very probable for COVID-19, and I assume uh, to be diagnosed that must mean that you're dealing with some shit. 
So I, I wanted to get him on the show, talk about this a little bit, because I think maybe I have a hard time believing people listening to this show uh, <laughs> don't think that this is real. But for anybody who's on the fence, I mean, you know Adam Davies, folks, so maybe we can put a face in a sense to to all this. So, Adam, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking about this. Um, you know, as you said, uh, there are there, some people who do <laughs> what was the way you described it? Uh, only those who are married to their sister can truly believe uh, that this is all fake. But but maybe we can convince convince those colorful individuals. So well, welcome back to the show, Adam, under uh, very strange circumstances. I appreciate you doing this. No, of course, Tim. It's, it's, it's good to be here. Obviously, this is this is very strange, uh, as you say. But um, I like coming on your show, and it, you know, we met up obviously um, in San Diego when you came down last last year. So we are good friends, and I'm happy to be here. Well, like I said, with your with your post and hopefully this appearance here, you can maybe do some good. I mean, um, you know, what what the hell happened? <laughs> as I, as, you know, much the same as I asked you with the Bigfoot portal. Um, what 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 have you gotten yourself into now, Adam? What what happened? Um, what ha- what happened that led to this turn of events? Oh, I've been all over since since I last spoke to you, Alaska. I made a film there, and I've just released my new book. But I, I could go on, but that isn't what this is about today. So um, it's difficult to say exactly where I got COVID nineteen. I was in Washington State certainly, but I also. Um, uh, I also obviously am about out and about in San Diego, and there were some cases diagnosed here too. So I can't tell you um, exactly where I got it. I am diagnosed as highly probable. And there's an important point. There's a, the, I was listening, obviously, to you guys talking just then, and there's a few points I'd make. The first point is that we have no real idea, uh, certainly in California, and I understand in many other places, exactly how many people have this. Because mm-hmm. my experience in San Diego was, when I got to the hospital, the nurse, because um, there was a tent outside the hospital I was at, and she basically said, well, you know, we think you're, we've examined you. You're, you're, I went through all the symptoms. I did a lot of tests. We think you're highly probable to have it, but we can't confirm it because we just haven't got enough test kits to definitely confirm it right now. And, you know, and I would say at least 90% of the cases in my area remain undiagnosed, and I understand why they do that because they, have to, they were prioritizing people who were critically ill. Or, or at high risk, and I was not at high risk. I felt pretty bad with it, uh, but I was not at high risk. So we don't really know how many cases uh, are around. And, you know, I think we're, you know, we were talking about whether we're at the peak of this, and um, I think we may well be, uh, and that's a good thing, hopefully, in the next week or so. But, but the estimates of actual cases are, um, are wildly disproportionate. Two other things I'd say really quickly, and then feel free to jump in. I've had experience, by the way, of being in other countries. You guys are talking about that. I was in China when SARS was on, so I know all about that too, if you have any questions about that. The, the, the second thing I'd say very quickly, and one of them is positive, right now um, the virus doesn't appear to be mutating, uh, which is a good thing. If you think about Spanish flu, that had three variants. The second strain was much worse than the first. Right now it seems to be um, not mutating and that's good because it's easier to find a vaccine for something if it's not mutating one of the reasons we can't find a vaccine for the cold for example is is because there are many colds i mean a coronavirus is a generic term covid19 is one of them and so so there's that and the, and the third thing is you know 
I'd say is there's a description of symptoms, but that's a generic uh, description. So, for example, after the initial fever, I went extremely cold. I was colder than I'd ever been at any point before in my life. I mean, I wore three layers of clothing. And I thought, well, that doesn't make sense. It's not comparative with COVID-19. And then I read about a guy in Seattle who had exactly the same experience. He was diagnosed. I think he ended up being a hospital case. He was very sick with it. So there's a wide spectrum of symptoms um, connected with it. And those are the three points I think that your listeners might enjoy. Now, what point did you... Like, I guess, what what happened? What, what were you feeling that led you to say, "I need to go and 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 get this get this checked out"? Because I think I I mean I I can't speak for you, but it's like for me, especially now. I mean, this was I think you made the post on March 23rd, so I'm guessing it was sort of a, a few days before that. But you know, I wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so like a week before, so about the 16th, because you know I'm kind of of the mindset where it's like, all right, I need to. I need to make sure I don't do anything stupid here, so I need to go to the hospital. Like if I, I don't want to fall and break my arm, because I break my <laughs> arm, I go to the hospital, I'm going to come home with the fucking coronavirus. That's my, that's my, <laughs> my mindset about it. So. <laughs> no, there were there were there were two things. I mean, first of all, the hospital where I was going, um, it had a special tent specifically for this, which was outside okay. the hospital, and and the, and the nurses and doctors were all in. Um, full protective gear and so um, the contagion if you like was outside the hospital only if you were I think become very critical were you brought in for that specialist care and I was not one of those patients I had an elevated blood pressure um, and I had a number of other things we want to go on to a bit of congestion um, breathing I think to answer your question specifically the reason I went is because it's kind of a slow burn this thing it starts off like you feel a bit of a, of a fever and a sore throat, then you may feel a bit of a cold. But the, the danger period, if you like, is about a week, about seven or eight days in. So, and then um, you, that's when you can have these breathing problems. I mean, this is generic, and I want to say this again, because I don't, but, this, but specifically in my case, um, yeah. it felt a little bit like, you know, when I, 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 you know I climb mountains and things like that, and we've talked about, about that before, but it felt mm-hmm. a bit like I was climbing a mountain, um, uh, only I was sat on my couch. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I right, like, right. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. a little bit bad. And I thought, well, I don't want to go into that decline because between 20 and 30% of patients have long-term lung damage or can um, they, they can have this – their immune systems can overcompensate the virus and they can cause a collapse in the same way as the Spanish flu killed many younger people, much younger than me, um, because their immune systems overcompensated for it. So I was worried about that decline, so I thought I'd better get my lungs checked out. It was only when I went to the hospital. I didn't want to go when I was just another patient, if you know what I mean, but I thought when, yeah. if I might have some degenerative lung condition, then I needed to get checked out. And the nurse um, examined the lungs, and there was congestion there, but it wasn't any, it wasn't deteriorating, or it, it didn't appear to be seriously congested. So I was um, released back to um, isolation, where I stayed until I came out of quarantine just recently. All right, yeah, that makes sense. How was it, I heard people describe it as like the worst flu they ever had. Would you would you go that far, or is it just like I guess it all varies person to person. I can see why. Uh, I was saying way, way when we first started this show, I I was at a big event like right 
I think on March 6th and came home and felt sick like five days later. And I was like, Oh shit, I've, I've got it. I've got it. Cause when they had a huge outbreak here in Boston. So, uh, but I was of the mindset kind of like what happened with you where it was like, okay, I kind of feel like shit, but let me, you know, I'm not going to do anything about this until I feel like maybe my, maybe, maybe it's taken a really bad turn. And luckily it never did. That was gone after a day. So I don't even think I really had it, but um, I guess what was what was the what was it worse than like the worst than the worst flu you ever had? That's how I've heard people describe it. I've heard all kinds of crazy. So some people say they have like crazy dreams and shit. Um, you know, I'm just kind of interested. I've never I don't know anyone who's experienced this. Well, I didn't have crazy dreams. Um, I did. It was diff- It was like a flu, but it had um, important differences. So I'd say the body aches that I had seemed worse. And that, that 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 freezing cold thing that I had, um, that temperature, I've never had off any flu, and I've never had ever, ever before, even when I've had a few tropical conditions. I've never had that. That was really weird. Um, and it kind of, I think at the end, um, not the effects, but the fatigue afterwards kind of lingered. And I was very, very tired, you know, um, walking about or anything was a real effort. I mean, I'm I'm making a full recovery now. You know, I'll be able to yeah. wander about. I have, I want to say it's a happy tale for me. Um, I'm 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 fine. Um, but it, but it was there was a lingering fatigue. So it, it was it was extremely unpleasant. There was a couple of days where I thought, oh, I'm in really serious shit here. Uh, but um, only a couple of days. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. It was really unpleasant. But, you know, most people who get it, um, it's very, very, very unpleasant. But they will recover. They're not going to feel, um, they're not going to feel like that forever. And, uh, you know, we all know the facts that people who are most likely to have it are people who, who suffer from it seriously, are people who have underlying medical conditions, um, who right. smoke really heavily, and uh, who are very old. And that doesn't apply to most of your listeners. Maybe the smoking, some of, for some of them, but, but you know. Um, yeah, you know, some hosts or something might be like that, but I don't know any. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of you two. So you need to come yeah. back on that shit. But, but, um, but other than that. Why do you think know, I haven't left the house in, in a fucking month? <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have a bad time if you have it. I'm not going to say, oh, it's a breeze. For most people, it's unpleasant. I mean, there are these people who are asymptomatic, and you guys were talking about that. But I still think um, that they would be the minority of cases. It's not to um, dismiss uh, the idea of it being asymptomatic, um, because uh, they are extremely serious, those people, if they go out shedding the virus, um, especially if they're not right. extremely responsive. But, but, but most people will know they've got it. you know. And if you think you have a cold, then don't take the risk. Just say, well, maybe I have got it. Um, you don't have to be on death's door to have it. People can be perfectly functional, just have a bit of a cold. I mean, and it, it, it can vary from age groups. My understanding is Prince Charles had COVID-19. Now, he's 71. And for him, yeah. as far as I, I can see, it's just like a bit of a cold. You know? <laughs> you know? So, yeah. so if you feel like you've got that, man, just stay in for a few weeks. Don't take the risk for everybody else. Yeah, exactly. Tyler, do you have any questions? You know, the, the uh, chills uh, sound something like uh, sepsis, where people have bacteria in the blood. Uh, how long did that last? Uh, it, it, yeah, it's a good point, I, and, I, and that worried me as well. 
Um, it lasted a few days. Oh, okay, that's, days. that's serious. Yeah. But it's gone now, really so he's probably okay, more. right? Oh, it's no, gone right now, now, yes. But the thing yeah. is, that with sepsis, what you find is that uh, actually when you've got the, the signs and symptoms, uh, usually it's over that the blood has already, or the white cells in the blood have already filtered out the bacteria that have, have escaped. And so it's very intense, and then it goes away. To have it last right. for a couple of days, that's pretty incredible. That, that's something very unusual. Yeah, it was very unusual, and that's why I mentioned it, because I wanted to mention it to Tim. It was a couple of days, definitely. A couple of days I was very wearing um, three different, I was wearing three different shirts. I was really cold, and I've never had that before. And I was a bit worried. I did look up sepsis, and I was a bit worried about that. Yeah, it could be. Uh, well, it could be the end. So yeah, you should mm. should be worried. That was one of the reasons why I went to hospital as well. That that the, the, the temperature thing and the breathing. But when they checked me, it was starting to go up. So um, they were not as concerned because my I said to them, "Well, it's better than it was." Oh, okay. Well, that's good. That was a good decision on your part because it, mm, it could have been very important. You don't have much time. When this goes bad, as I understand it, it goes bad in a hurry. Mm. Yeah. Now, Adam, were you – what was like – you're a more even-keeled guy than I am, so I guess you were probably like, oh, okay. But uh, but I feel like – I like, were you frustrated when they said they couldn't test you? Because that part would – that would, like, kind of irritate me. I have, like, OCD, so I'd be like, I need – I would be like, I need to fucking know. I need to know, okay? Don't give this probable <laughs> shit. I need to know one way or the other, so get, get, one, of, get one of your what? tests. This is why I pay health insurance. Get the test. <laughs> so, so, so uh, I get – like I said, you're more easygoing than I am, so and, – and I think that you weren't necessarily – panicking about this so um you know you kind of wanted to be on the safe side but i guess what were your feeling what, what was your feeling when they were like yeah sorry we can't test you um i would it's, there's a frustration there but i think there's also a responsibility because once they checked my lungs out and you know we talked about the temperature just then i was a bit relieved because i thought well i'm not going to have any long-term damage ultimately and then um then um i thought afterwards well uh, you know, it's important that these these things are actually used for people who are critical. There's only a certain amount of ventilators. Right. You know, and that, and, and it would be kind of selfish for me to um, insist on testing in this circumstance when I am clearly getting better. It just didn't yeah. feel appropriate. Then, I think the the third point I'd make though is subsequently when these. I mean, it's my understanding. I'm not a doctor, uh, but it's my understanding that um, there might be some use for um, the antibodies in my uh, body to be useful for blood plasma for people who are vulnerable, especially after yeah, a we talked about that last week. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. So I'd like to have that opportunity, uh, not because uh, of the COVID-19 thing is tasked for me, but there may be some value in having my blood used for antibodies for people, and I'd be quite happy to donate that. So if that ha if there were opportunities for me to do that, I would definitely do it. Yeah, yeah. I was I was mostly being sarcastic. Sarc That's yeah, how I, I get thrown out. No, you know, I, I I I would forever complain about it when I got home, but <laughs> I would do it handle things the same way that that uh, that you did. But yeah, I, I can. It is frustrating 
you wish, and they can't, as far as you know, right, you can't go get a test to, to uh, yet to get cleared. Because the other stuff I wanted to talk to you about, in a sense, was like that you're also impacted by this financially and everything because a lot of your work's yeah, yeah. being squashed out just because of the pandemic around you, not even having to do with what you went through. So is there any, have you, I guess you probably are keeping an eye on it, but is there any indication of any way you can be tested to, as we've been talking about earlier, this whole idea of like get people, bringing people back online, people who have had it, who can now go out and, and reenter society as dystopian as that sounds. Um, you know, have you, do you have any insight on sort of that process at all? No, I, I don't. I mean, and, that, and that's a good question. Maybe that can be something that you can look at as part of these shows. I mean, you're certainly right. I, I have lost 60% of my income. I'm a teacher and I do some teaching online now. But, but, but 60% is gone. Um, there are people in a lot worse condition than me. I have a roof over my head. I have food over my head. I am not starving. You know, I'd release my new book and maybe I'll sell a few of those when all this is over. So, so I, I will live, at least for now, and I won't, I'm not unemployed now. Many people are, and there's going to be a lot of suffering as a result of this. So if there's some good that can come out of it, that would be great. You know, and I'll volunteer anybody uh, to take my blood plasma, plasma who's, who's in a medical uh, facility if they want to. If it will help people, and they're, and they're obviously re- re- reputable, <laughs> um, then I'd be happy to, to donate that. If it can do some good, then I'm up for it. I've not been unusually to any, tr- any tropical places for the last few years. I was, you know, so I could donate blood, and I haven't got any conditions that would mean my blood would be excluded so maybe i can do that i don't know there's obviously all these wider impacts there's a psychological and the financial impacts when people start coming out of their um start coming out of their um start coming out of their homes into uh, the real world there's going to be a lot of a lot of healing that people have to do and and, and yeah you know different communities are impacted differently if you're if you're a a member of uh, an ethnic minority, say for example in Chicago, your much your community is much more likely to have been hit than say a rural community in Maine. So there's geographic, exactly. geographic things as well as community, and I, it's sporadic and patch, uh, patchy. I've spoken to some people in uh, North America. I mean, hence one of the reasons I made that post about it not being a conspiracy theory. Who are completely unscathed by this. They don't know anyone who's ever ha- who's had it. Their communities are fairly normal. You know, business is largely unaffected. But if you come here to San Diego, the place is in lockdown, and rightly so, because we've had cases. It, so people need to understand that they are part of a wider community. Um, there are ve- there is various degrees of suffering and impact here, but um, we're all we're all hopefully in it together. And, and you know, you can choose to be selfish or you can choose to help your fellow person. And you make that choice as individuals, and I, I, I feel generally encouraged by most people trying to make positive contributions to this rather than negative ones. Absolutely, absolutely. That's been one of the great silver linings of all this is the is the sense of community, um, you know, across the country, people responding to this, and it's really interesting. The uh, it's not to get biblical, but here we are on a Good Friday. It's like the meek shall inherit the earth. It's all the all the people that all the people that were often overlooked before all this are are are, are saving our society essentially. The doctors, the nurses, the the you know the first responders, and, and the janitors, the grocery people, yeah. 
I, I mean, the, 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 the those folks were, you know, really overlooked, and they're they're on the front lines. They're integral to this entire process, and they're heroes. You know, it's like I would yeah, never, no, you know, I would never consider like what <laughs> three months ago going to the grocery store. I never would have considered like the fifteen-year-old kid ringing up my combos to be a hero. But he, now he is, man. He's been drafted. He, that's the that's the wildest part of this. It's it's these folks have been you know unwittingly drafted into into this into this so-called war, if you will. I, you know, it's a I'm not entirely comfortable with that analogy, but but they they've been drafted into the into the war against the virus. So it's uh, a part of this that I never would have imagined. I think that what they're doing, I mean, you know, they're taking a risk on a daily basis. They're far more exposed yeah. than you and I. And and they're and they're making a choice and they're obviously not the best paid um, people in the community. So um hero can be a, a, a generic term sometimes. You can call soccer players heroes in Britain when you think well actually they're just very talented and gifted individuals. But hero um is often when when it's specific is applied to how individuals deal with personal traumas and crisis to the best of their abilities. And if you right. are in this situation and you're facing real risk and you turn up every day knowing you have that risk and you're the best person, you're the, you're the best you can be in that circumstance. So if you're in the grocery store, you're the best you can be knowing that risk. That, that, that term hero is, I think, appropriate because um, that person is taking risks for other people knowing that they themselves could suffer. So that's hero or heroin. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, and it's funny in a way because you, you kind of mentioned it like soccer players. And a lot of people do hold athletes and musicians and celebrities up as heroes. But if I think this entire event has, you know, maybe it's a wake-up call to to people around the world in a way. Whereas these people we hold up on pedestals, uh, and some of them are helping out and they're donating and that's great. And they're trying to organize stuff. Yeah. To to yeah. get through this, and, and God bless them, and I salute them for that. But the idea that mm. it goes back to the old idea where it's like the firemen and 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 the doctor and the nurse uh, and the teacher, those, those are those are the people we should be holding up and and celebrating and and wanting to emulate, and 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 those are those are the the everyday heroes, and LeBron James and and uh, Shakira, I don't know. <laughs> That's how that's how hip I am, lady. I get Lady Gaga putting together something hey, Daddy, concert, but <laughs> Shakira. Yeah. Shakira. <laughs> but yeah, maybe it's a wake-up call in a sense. Uh, add some perspective to to our to the way we look at things in the world. I hope so. I mean, there are some positives that can come out of it. Not to say entertainers don't have a place. It's important to make people happy, right? Um, and they, they have a role. I'd, I'd never, I never, I never understood why we might see them as little gods, because uh, they're not. They're just entertainers. <laughs> so, if, 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 if that, if that's a, a readjustment to society that becomes a long-term one, and I think that's a good thing. I think you know that's good. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know what kind of classes you teach, but I, uh, my mom's an elementary school teacher, and I notice uh, I've seen a lot of posts from people who are now working from home and they have their kids at home on appreciation for teachers. Um, now that parents don't have that, 
that government-mandated free preschool <laughs> or free free place to send their kids every day, and they have to deal with all that. They they kind of have an understanding of what teachers have to go through when they're dealing with uh, an eight an eight year old and a thirteen thirteen year old for for the whole day. It's uh it's very it's it's problematic. Uh, Tyler, what, what, what's that? I said for at least a month or two months on end, seven days a week, yeah? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It made me laugh, actually, because uh, there's there's been rain unusually in San Diego. You know what this place is like. There's been rain unusually in San Diego for a few days. And the moment it was, the moment the the fingers of of, of sunlight uh, swept across the sky, um, I saw uh, small children uh, in their gardens, of course, observing isolation. It was those desperate parents said, uh, right, now, get outside. So that's true. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I know you're kind of fatigued, and I only wanted to uh, take up a half hour of your time. Tyler, do you have any other questions for Adam? You know, I, one thing that um, you might want to be on the lookout for is, there may be a move afoot to try to put together a registry of people who have had a COVID diagnosis or think that they had it because there will be antibody tests coming and then they can go mm. ahead and decide who might be able to donate serum uh, plasma to uh, patients in need. Uh, so I think that that might be something we see in the near future. So you have to, to, um, yeah, I think, I think that's a great point. And if, and if you see that, put that, if you see any of information like that, Tim, please put it on your website as well, because I would definitely like to do that. I, you know, um, we talked about positives coming out of this um, attitude, respect for people who um, are worthy of it, and also we can actually have that opportunity now to um, to help others in need. And, and, and you know, I know people. I know people who are involved in the coronavirus are looking for a vaccine for it right now. And, and so hopefully we'll try and get a vaccine out as soon as possible, or they will, rather. So there yeah, are some positives yeah. to think about. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Adam didn't this – I guess it's all me, folks, so don't, don't, uh, don't, hate on, don't hate on Adam. But he has a new book out. So where can where Adam where can folks get the new book because they can you know maybe you can help model a little bit folks you just said he's he's taking a hit from this as a lot of people have um, but we've got him Adam here so what what can uh, where can people get the new book and, and where can they find it and stuff like that and tell us a little bit about it. Well, you, I mean, please don't feel – I don't want to feel like I'm plugging my new book. <laughs> no, no. Um, well, I, I told you, but this is on me. I'm, just, yeah. I'm, trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to pay it forward. Okay, you came yeah. on this show. You bear your soul about about your experience here with this. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to, um, you know, I want to see if we can help you out at all. That's all. So what's uh, – No, I appreciate it. Okay, so, so my, new, my new book is, is uh, you can find it on Amazon.com. It's Extreme Expedition 3, uh, Bigfoot versus the Yeti. It talks about uh, my adventures in an uninhabited part of Alaska. It was a show recently um, on Alaska's Triangle, uh, which was called The Hairy Man of Port Chatham. But there's a lot behind that actual story. It's a really creepy story. Uh, there's um, the Yeti in Nepal, um, one of the films I did with Josh Gates in the Expedition Unknown series. Um, there's many other adventures across the United States. So I talk about those and some very weird things, including that portal story. I talk about that. Oh, it's in the book. Behind it. 
Yeah, yeah. It's oh, the portal. Oh, so, shit. Now yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. sure, yeah. But including, including analysis of it and, and, and my subsequent conclusions, which you will find extremely interesting. So all of that. Oh, nice. That's Bigfoot versus the Yeti, and that's on Amazon. If people want to get it, they can. They can please feel free. Right, right. And like I said, that's on me, folks. Uh, I'm being a shameless, uh, a shameless friend. Actually, I mean, I'm being a shameless <laughs> no, friend and it. trying to help Adam out. So you, you can tell because he, <laughs> he, I'm afraid I made you uncomfortable. I apologize for that. But no, you um, did not, man. You know, you're doing it for the right reasons. You're doing it for the right reasons, <laughs> and, and, and I appreciate it. You've always been my very good friend for so many years, and I, and I thank you for it, Tim. Well, like I said, I appreciate you coming on here and sharing your story. And um, like I said, if we can put a face to this for some of the listeners who may be on the fence or may be skeptical, it's like, you guys know Adam Davies. So, I mean, come on. This is, as I said at the start of the show, this is as real as real can be. This is not, this is not, this is not a made-for-TV movie. It's not fake. It's not a conspiracy. So uh, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're on the mend um, you know, okay. I hope that I hope that that continues, and you're you're totally fine very soon. Um, and you know, good luck with what happens next. I think I think that uh, I, I wish that on everybody. We'll, we'll all see what happens next. Um, but you know, I'll be I'll be pulling for you, and I'll be in touch as uh, the days and weeks go by, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Tim. It'd be lovely to talk to you again, and, and then lovely to speak to both of you guys. And um, yeah, things that I'm I'm positive. At the moment, things are, are going to take a turn for the better sooner rather than later. I, 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 I'm hopeful. And certainly for me, although, um, yeah, like many people, I've, 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 I've had a massive drop in income. None of these things last forever. Um, right. This will this'll go away. This will go away, and hopefully um, we'll have a better community spirit if there's one positive out of it. So let's hope yeah, for that. Absolutely. All right, brother. Good night and be safe out there. Thank you, man. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks. Take care. All right. Well, that was uh, Adam Davies. I appreciate that he jumped in um, to talk about it. Like I said, I I stumbled upon that. Um, I stumbled upon that post on his Facebook page, and was I was surprised. That was the first person I knew who even has been tangentially touched by this, much less um, you know a a possible case or a probable case. So. Well, it's interesting. You know, it is interesting that, that this is a person who is very active and fit, and he got hit pretty hard. Uh, you know, it's another yeah. one of those things that the, the agent is very unpredictable. Uh, he had a very good sense, though, of we don't have a good numeric sense of how many people are asymptomatic. And so if you, if yeah. you look, um, you know, this, and this is, this is something that we've really got to get nailed down in a hurry uh, hopefully the antibody test will uh, allow us to do that. People are talking 25%, but really he's absolutely correct. We don't know. By the way, he, he's one of the very few, uh, maybe the first person that I've spoken to that knew about the 1918 killer flu and how yeah. it evolved, you know, that the first wave was different from the second wave. Not many people know that. Yeah, well, he's a very sharp guy. So, um, but yeah. yeah, he seemed very, very up up to speed on the on on pandemics. Which um, very much. I don't so. know if that was. I didn't. I should have asked him when he was on the show. I don't know if that. I don't know if that was a byproduct of being swept up in this one, or if that was something he already knew. Um, but I do think I can kind of echo what he was saying there towards the end. There's, I mean, I don't know if it's the situation in New York with them with, with what seems to be a flattening of the curve. 
or if it's just that this has gone on for so long that um, it feels like we have to be turning a corner soon. But there, I do get that feeling. I get that feeling that, like, uh, that we may be turning a corner. And that may not necessarily mean we're at the end of the road. That just may mean we're turning the corner, and there's another corner coming up two, three, four months down the line. But at yeah. the very least, it feels like we're turning a corner. And it's very interesting. I joked with you about this, in a sense, at the end of the show last week, The um, how all the commercials have turned into coronavirus commercials. Uh, have yeah. you, did you notice? Did you look for this yeah. since we talked about it yeah, last week? Once, yes, once you set me... Uh, on that quest, yeah, sure enough, chance favors the yeah. prepared mind. It's so depressing, um, but the yeah, the interesting thing I find, and this is maybe something to kind of keep an eye out for uh, Tyler and, and listeners too, is this week I think was the first time I got the sense. That a, that there's kind of been a switch in the minds of many people. Um, no pun intended. The initial, you know, three four weeks, uh, it was very novel. That's the no pun intended. There was a novelty to all this. There was oh now we're working from home and oh this is oh now everyone's doing video conferences and th- there was sort of a newness to all this. And this week was the first time that I sort of got the sense that that people had started to settle into this situation that we're in. Maybe it's because I think we're all in agreement that we're essentially going to sit out April as a society. So maybe people came to that conclusion mentally in that first week of April and were like, well, hey, we're, we're, this is it for the next three weeks, so I might as well get used to it. But it certainly feels to me in the zeitgeist that that we as a people have somehow begun to weirdly adapt to this this lifestyle that we've been forced into. Does that make any sense? No, it does. It does. People will – they will accommodate. Uh, they will uh, maybe become numb. Uh, I can. The only thing I can relate it to in my life is during the Vietnam War, uh, they used to announce the casualties every Thursday. And that was something where they actually used to say light at the end of the tunnel, and it just got darker and darker and darker. And there was this fatalistic thing that uh, and actually I can remember some of my friends, people who were a few years older than me, got caught up in the draft and ended up over there. Uh, and there was this sense that this train's coming, I can't do anything about it. Fine. You know, so you do. Yeah. You, you do just kind of. Some maybe it's resignation. I, I don't know what the right word is, but accommodation for sure. Um, a feeling that okay, it's going to be a while. Get used to it for sure. Must be part of that. And there's a certain part of it too, that is, in a sense, kind of uplifting in a way where we. Uh, we're adapting to this and you're seeing that, that indomitable human spirit emerge, which is the uplifting part. Uh, people are, there's like new creativity coming out of this situation. People are, people are taking the situation we're in and they're making the most out of it or the best of it. 
via all kinds of, you know, quirky videos or musical performances from orchestras where everybody's at their house playing and it's all on, you know, that kind of thing. It's yeah. that, that to me, that's, that's one of the positive things, I guess you could say. It's a sign of, we, there's not despair, there's hope. And, and that's, that's all we can really bank on right now is hope. So the, and that's exemplified by how we don't, we're, even, even the creatives, they're not giving up. They're, they're 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 finding a way to adapt to this new world so that they can make their art and that that's a good thing that's that's yeah. uplifting yeah there there i think you're right there is hope and we we have to remind ourselves of that when things seem really bleak i it would be nice if we could finish this off in 2 weeks i don't believe it's going to go that way and we'll have to resign ourselves to a much longer haul and right. uh, I, I guess uh keeping our guard up being careful, all those things are going to have to become second nature for a while. And we hope... Uh, exactly. We'll, you know, eventually we'll get past this. And we there's not going to be a miracle that's going to come from the sky and, and save us. We'll get past it anyway. Absolutely, yeah. So I do... I do, yeah, I do. That that's probably my next point of concern, I guess you could say, going towards as we look towards the future. The um, at some point, people and you're that's the other part. You're seeing people adapt to it, but you're also seeing people start to crack up a little bit. And I think you're you're going to see more people crack up, and you just hope that they don't do anything stupid in the midst of cracking up. Uh, I think there was a case somewhere in America, I don't know where, but somewhere in America, somebody was going to go shoot up a hospital because of all this. And it's like, no, dude, they, likely they caught, they caught the guy. But it's like, we don't, this is the last, that's the fucking last thing we need right now. Everyone just, just <laughs> yeah. stay home. Like, please, for the love of God. Um, but I am afraid that we may see some crack ups as we, as we get closer. And, and, um, I, I, it's, I think what we talked about earlier is going to get more. It's going to get more passionate. This debate about what to do next, um, and all we can do is, all we can do, you, me, listeners, to sit back and kind of voice our opinions and go with what happens. We don't really have any, you know, do what's best for you, folks. That's kind of the whole idea. Yeah, and hopefully um, there'll be an accommodation in terms of. Balancing the science and the knowledge such as it is. Remember, it's imperfect with other needs. Uh, we're going to have a lot of costs to pay. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, more than the obvious ones, things that will become clear later. And so the legacy of this will hold on for a while. But hopefully, and I think we all have to remain hopeful, is that the, the people that, that have maybe specific knowledge or could render a more informed opinion will be at least listened to, we may not be able to, or uh, politically we may decide that we can't necessarily do the perfect in, in terms of what would be perfect scientifically or the scientific consensus would be, uh, but we have to find something that's reasonable. And, and yeah, on, a and middle ground between, yeah, between all that's, this. That's, uh, you know, the art of absolutely. politics. Absolutely. Well, hopefully they can do that. Now, this person uh, in the 469 area has been on hold since before we brought Adam on, so let's get them on uh, the show right now. Uh, so 469 area code, you're on the air. What's going on? What can we talk to you about? 
It's uh, you can talk with me about anything you like, Tim. This is Steve Ray, and uh, it's a pleasure to listen. All right, what's going on, Steve? How uh, what, to, to what do we owe the pleasure of your call? You've tweeted us a lot it's, lately, so uh, you know we can't. It's, it's hard uh, to keep up with all your tweets. So, is there something particularly pressing on your mind this week you'd like to discuss? Oh, uh, uh, nothing too much. First, though, that like that uh, we were. Tyler was able to track the genome, how the New York cases came from uh, Europe. That's uh, that's awesome. I'm glad he was able to do that. That sounds great. Um, the, the Tyler about, didn't uh, do medical it. The, that scientist no, no. did it. Yeah, it's but he read, but he published. learned it. Oh, oh published? Okay. <laughs> it's, well, of course it was published. I didn't think that. Yeah, not that he did, but uh, yeah, nextstrain.org. Here is a great resource. You can really drill down on that. Anyway, uh, Shelby went to Care Now recently just for uh, getting, like, some glass out of her foot, and she says that over the phone they asked her if she had symptoms. Uh, Care Now is a dock in the box, like a, you know, just a small local clinic chain. I presume you all are familiar with it? I'm uh, familiar with that, what you're talking about, not necessarily. Okay. I've never heard of, like, That's a fine. private chain like that, but, yeah, yeah, we have one in my town, an emergency yeah. You know, essentially like an emergency, it probably is a private company, but like an emergency room oh, only type. It's, uh, place, uh, you know, it's critical care, critical it's care. Not the, it's, uh, no, no, it's not the emergency room. It's uh, oh. it's uh, non-emergency care in a private chain. Anyway, uh, she had some glass in her foot from, I don't know, dropped a glass during the quarantine. And they asked her over the phone if she had any COVID-type symptoms. Uh, she got there. There's no one in the waiting room. They don't open the door for you. Uh, they have to open it special, it's locked and the person was in like full protective gear and took her temperature with one of those scanners wireless temporal scanners before they yeah. let her in so that is yeah. how uh, just as general news of how uh, medical folks are coping with it and as to your stovetop as to your stovetop what I saw at the post office recently is they had a cheap plastic shower curtain liners and hanging from above the uh, the counter where you buy your stamps or, say, I've got a package, those are hanging down, you just reach through them. So what you could do, just go to Walmart or the, the gas station or whatever, any place that sells the shower curtain liners, and have the guy come in through, like that, uh, through the patio and just wall off everything except the kitchen. Maybe cover everything in the kitchen, use saran wrap yeah. tape so that he only enters – just that little bubble, <laughs> and then uh, because uh, Tyler, I think, confirmed that the code sticks really well to plastic, so if you make him just a one little plastic niche, sort of a cyst of protection to protect your, your sweet, wonderful mom, then that's just one thing to clean. You can just pull all the plastic out and throw it away. COVID loves plastic. Um, saran wrap for the cracks. What do you think about that? There you go. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's not a bad idea. No. Uh, and, and yeah. Oh. It, uh, is anything you can do to improve that design, Tyler? No, it sounds good. Okay. Well, there you go. There's something you could do, and then you just throw everything away afterwards, so you don't have to yeah. scrub the floors or the tile until it's gone. Yeah, and, but you still need uh, to dog. disinfect like the stovetop and shit and everything. Eat. You know, well, I'll see if he wears gloves and but, everything. But that's well, one thing. That's like then you only have to disinfect the stovetop instead of like all the carpet from him walking through the front door. And right, exactly. All that stuff. Yeah. yeah, just as a, as an OCD thing, you'll be minimizing your your did I scrub it enough? Did I scrub it enough? Your uh, your uh, lady Macbeth burden. So, yeah. He uh, might have just saved your life, Tim. He may oh, have. We have sa- saved by a shower curtain. 
<laughs> it's uh, uh it's there there they've got to be good for something and well that's uh those are pretty much my only salient points there's only a bit of time left uh i mean got any questions for me if not i'll just like leave you with this good stuff you can have dessert and nothing but dessert there you go <laughs> well I'll, I'll keep steve on for this i was going to tell you this story tyler so to update everyone on my quarantining i was really good this week uh, I did not actually even go into – I never left my car, essentially. I did leave the house for a, an incredibly indulgent uh, treat, which I highly recommend Combos? if there's one. What's that? Combos or like a big uh, Lobo growler? <laughs> no, better, better. I highly recommend this. Uh, There's a, a chain. They have one in my town. Um, nothing Bunt Cakes. Do they have these near oh, you? Oh, I see. I've seen those. Oh, they're yeah, so they good. They make these little, they make a whole variety of bunt cakes, but they make these little cupcake-sized ones called buntinis, and you can get a <laughs> dozen of them. <laughs> yeah. Did any make it and home? Out... What's that? Did any of them make it home, or did you just come back with 12 empty cups <laughs> and a bunch of crumbs? <laughs> no, no, they made it home. And the, and the great part is the... And I did this actually with the local brewery has the same deal. So on Saturday, last Saturday, I just went online, booked booked my beer and buntinis, and drove <laughs> drove to the drove to the brewery. Uh, you know, pushed my ID against the glass of my driver window. The man saw it. Put he put the beer in my trunk. I I drove to Nothing Bunt Cakes and um, called them. They came out, put the bunts in my trunk, and 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 off I went back to my house. Never, oh, never cool. touching anyone, never interacting with anyone, um, and with a slew of beer and bunt cakes. So that's, that's was been, it, wait, um, was this that's Lord actually, Hobo? That coffee literally, honestly, the extent of my yes, it was Lord Hobo. Yes, but I heard like they make great. What's your favorite beer, Lord Hobo? Uh, it's Freebird Ale. I'm actually drinking it right now. Uh, it's a very light 5.5% alcohol. I could drink a million of them, and I, it takes me a while to really feel it. So, um, How much is a yeah, growler? So, like these growlers to grow, is that like 50 bucks, 20 bucks? I think they were like 16. So they didn't have any growlers, though. They only had beer packaged. So, Okay. Which is a great fine. deal. Cool. Yeah. So cool. it's kind of neat. I, 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 uh, I'm a fan of – I said this before on the show or earlier. It's like this is – kind of what my lifestyle was like before. I was a very uh, shelter-in-place situation. I worked from home and everything else. So to me, the, the, idea, the, the idea that I could drive to the brewery and then the cake shop and get all the, get all the ridiculous indulgences I need for WrestleMania, that's why, because it was WrestleMania last weekend, mm. Um, mm. it was delightful. <laughs> I, don't have to, I don't have to interact with anyone. This is, this is fantastic. I just order it all online, and they put it in my trunk when I pull up. You're now a professional misanthrope. <laughs> exactly. This is, one, well, this is one change to society I hope lasts. I hope it stays after all this. Curbside, do what you curbside love. pickup no one will is follow. fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I wish I should have got a sponsorship. What's that? How was the Firefly Funhouse on WrestleMania? That looked intriguing. I didn't watch it, but it looked very intriguing. You can probably watch it on YouTube. It was interesting. It was like more of a long it's skit. 
than an actual wrestling match. Oh, uh, you'd like it, I, I think. It was very Poppy-esque. What's that? Ooh, it's, uh, and, uh, very nice. And Poppy, she's still uh, representing Shirai, at least with uh, theme music. Uh, yes, champion, and she's Shirai. a regular character. On, oh, not a, a fairly regular performer, on the, not a wrestler or anything, but who knows with her. So. It's um, that uh, that's very impressive. I'm glad to see that our worlds have uh, come into even ever closer alignment. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Now, are you in? Are you? What's your quarantine situation like? How are you? How, how are? Is it tense? Is it not tense? But is it like um, strict down there in in Dallas as far as what they want you to do and what they would prefer you not to do? Oh. Uh, no, it's like, I've, I've heard some rumors about like the borders, like border towns, like around Laredo, which is near Mexico and, uh, possibly some folks near Juarez, which is near both Mexico and, uh, New Mexico. And also, uh, Louisiana. What's going on? It's, uh, what's going on? Turn your radio off, sir. That's an old Art Bell moment there. Turn your radio down, please. It's uh, the uh, uh, I wanted to hear your voice so much it came out of both the phone and the laptop. I apologize for that. Anyway, nice. Dallas itself is not very strict. Uh, they they say everyone pretty much stay closed, but businesses you can call the business and the guy is there and he'll just open the door for you. So there's like one guy in the store, so it's like I'm not open. There's an appointment. So stuff is like sort of leaking through, like some commerce is leaking through, and uh, as the whole. The, the country going back to work, I think it's going to be sort of like the AIDS crisis where people slowly learn that uh, that bareback in the butt will kill you, but bareback oral will not. I think we're just going to learn experimentally <laughs> what will and will not kill us. And, that, uh, that, yeah. On a very crude yeah. level, that I understand exactly what you mean, yeah. So we're going to have to <laughs> it's, adapt. Um, it's, uh, well, we will adapt and learn to thine own self be true. Uh, so, now, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you about this, talk. Steve. I just, I do, I do sure. want to mention this because we've, we've talked on the show in the past about there's a lot of this affects everybody, right? And one thing that struck me, and I suppose strippers, and I apologize, Tyler. This is going to be a, a tad adult here, but the intriguing, interesting sort of part is there the sex workers are just as much impacted by all this as everybody else. And so it's a that's a, that's a subset of society that people don't consider. So I'm not saying go out and go out and patronize your local prostitute, but it's um you know, it's it's, it's an a, interesting sort of like uh, no, situation. The, uh, the live uh, the live strip clubs have been shut down in Dallas. Uh, prostitutes are switching to like their best regulars and limiting contacts with guests. Like, you know, like they'll have like a like a top one or two client and sticking with them. Uh, yeah. Maybe, like older and uh, you know like they like if the client can afford good medical care and is taking care of themselves, then like you're minimizing your risk. You are having if you're like you're like a concierge Seven Eleven. It's like you only see one customer. You do see right, the customer. Right, right. You, you don't really have the gotcha. distancing, but it's just one. And it's, you know, yeah. that them. Uh, as for, uh, yeah, but so all people shouldn't necessarily go out and seek, uh, you know, prostitutes who have an impact. You can't seek cam girls, webcam girls, or sound sex operators. Uh, that's a totally good way of uh, being intimate with people you barely know and also maintaining social distancing. 
I'm, I'm sure people are switching. That's actually true. I did not even think of that. Time. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those, that's a career that is, I bet you is, uh, is seeing an uptick in business. Very interesting. See, this is why we take callers, folks, because, you know, where else would we have even stumbled upon the the idea that in this in this in this quarantined world that cam girls are uh, at a premium? So they're uh, they're another uh, they're, they're another superstar of the pandemic. In their own way, sure, I'll give them that. In their own way, sure. In as much as grocery clerks. No, because grocery people. clerks are actually interacting with people. Cam girls are behind the cam. They're they're not taking as much right, risk. Right, but they're but they're but they're taking they're diffusing the pressure that might lead people to go out and call up ex girlfriends or or take other desperate less social distancing measures. It's uh it's all different right. than the uh, okay. grocery work. There you go. Yeah. All right, we all have our role to play. <laughs> word word. All right, Steve. Well, thank so, you so anyway, much for I'm, calling in. I, I, uh, I hereby voluntarily leave. You don't have to break that fourth wall with me. Nice to talk to you again, Tyler. Talk to you all later. Yeah, thanks for calling. Oh, oh Jesus. He just, <laughs> he just hung up. So, um, yeah, that well, that was interesting. interesting. I, I yeah. didn't mean to put you in an awkward spot there, Tyler, but Steve, uh, he's knowledgeable about those ways. So he used to be a – he used to be Dallas's premier uh, strip club reviewer, so he's. Oh, whoa! Yeah, he's colorful. Yeah, so he has an understanding of that underground world. And to me, like I said, it dawned on me where it's like, oh shit, not just not just like prostitutes, but you know, I don't necessarily know if my heart bleeds for drug dealers, but certainly drug addicts. Um, all these, there's all kinds of issues that that people don't think about. Until you're not supposed to leave your house, so it's there'll be a, it's a million thought. ways to pay this price. You know, everybody will do it in their own way. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, we're pretty much at the end of the show. Another one's flown by. I want to thank everybody actually who uh, has written and um, participated. Uh, if you're down, I'm down. We'll come back next week. You in, Tyler? Yeah. Why not? I'm not going anywhere. All right. All right, yeah, same here. I don't, I don't know if I'll even break quarantine this weekend, but if I do, I'll, I'll have an update on the show next week. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I joke this is kind of like my therapy, and um, I was really worried going into this week, but I think it's, it's as bad as we thought it was going to be. But the world didn't fall apart, so I guess that's the that's the saving grace of it. And it, it, and it's kind of horrifying in a way that we that we've become used to this um but i suppose when your options are get used to it or the world falls apart i guess getting used to it is 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 the best option you have because as i joked on the show last week that they're not going to come out tomorrow and say if you drink a can of dr pepper this is going to go away so this isn't going to go away we we're, we're we're in the shit now um yes and uh we'll we'll see uh how long it takes us to get out of the shit but we're we're in it. Oh, and I want yeah, that's kind of lost my train of thought. But I want to thank the I I, I said to Tyler a couple of weeks ago, kind of debating how long we're going to do this. Um, it seemed like people were a little put off just because they were just coroned out. But in the last week or so, I've heard from just a lot of people who are listening now. Maybe it's the fact that we've been doing these shows on the regular every Friday night. Um, 
you know, and they've kind of they realized it wasn't a one-off. But uh, a lot of people are listening, and so you know, I, I appreciate that. I hope that we're providing some kind of insight and. You know, it's, I guess, far from a distraction because we're talking about the same thing everybody else is, but at least a different perspective, maybe some laughs in some way at some point, um, you know, and some insights and some hope and some hope that we're all, you know, that we're all in this together. That's kind of the mantra that we've been hearing uh, throughout all this. We're in this together. Uh, You know, we're going to make it, man. We're going to get through this. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's about it. Anything else, Tyler? Well, no, you know, we've been very lucky that um, the people that are responsible for healthcare at every level, doctors, nurses, and all the support people, we've been very fortunate that they have had some major problems in terms of equipment and concerns and worries. And Absolutely. And still on the job. They're still doing their jobs. And they have to be exhausted. I mean, just without the extra element of, you know, am I going to get sick? Am I going to get my family sick? And they're still on the job. How about that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it, it crosses my mind more than once a day. That's for sure. That uh, these people who are uh, literally on the very front lines, their experiences are unfathomable. I think that's that's probably the only way I can put it. Um, you know, it's uh, absolutely like nightmarish conditions, and yeah. uh, as you said, they're exhausted. They are uh, that you know, death is around them at all times. It's it's, uh, it's nightmarish, man. It's absolutely nightmarish, and uh, my heart goes out to them. I worry about what it's going to be like after this is all said and done. A lot of them are going to really need some time and some help to decompress from this experience. Uh, I'm sure of that. And I hope, I hope that they do because what they're going through right now, as I said, is absolutely, it's unfathomable. It's it. That's the part where it is, you know, we are in a war. They're, they're in a war with this. Um, and we're, we're all doing our best to support them. So, yes, but we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. People need to hang in there. Um, they need, most importantly, they need to be safe. They need to be safe for themselves, and they need to be safe for the people around them. Um, I think that, that that's kind of the big thing. And if we all stick to to that mindset, and if you're all responsible, and we're all responsible, um, uh, we've we, we've begun to put the work in. That's that's probably the the best way to put it. We've begun to put the work in. We're we're undoubtedly going to have another three weeks of this, of of everyone pretty much shutting down society through April. And 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 we'll see we'll see where we're at as we go along, and we'll see where we're at the end of the month, and um, hopefully we'll have some some way of delineating what might come next. But yeah, uh, yeah, who knows? Well, there's reason to right, believe that we're well, succeeding. What's that? that? We're making it. We're, there's reason to believe that we what we're doing is succeeding. So let's keep doing absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's. Um, yeah, that's one of the big feelings I came came out of the came out of the week with um, that this that and I think they said that a few weeks ago that if we if we do this, then we'll see when it's working. And now we're starting to see that it's working. So uh, 
now we have to let it do its jaw. Now we have to let this <laughs> let this play out. You can't you can't go, oh it's starting to work. Let's stop. We need to stick with it uh at least for the next few weeks and see where we're at uh there. It's uh it's very frustrating in a sense, this whole experience because you really are at the mercy of this this virus, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, and it's a day it's a day by day process. Um so you never know it's a sl- it's very just slow moving. It's a slow moving disaster. Um but hey, that's that's what we're dealing with and we're all going to uh pull our straws up by our bootstraps and and uh and, and see and, and do our best to get through it. That's about all you can say, right? Right. All right, Tyler, I'm taking up enough of your time. You're lucky you still have an, an evening ahead of you out there in Arizona, so um, go watch a movie or relax or read a book or something and enjoy yourself and have a great weekend. And I will uh, talk to you next Friday night, brother. Okay. Good night, folks.